Welcome to Generation Tech. Uh, this is the 26th of April, 2021. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How you doing today? Doing great. How are oh, you, Todd? You sound like you stepped away from the mic there for a second. Oh, I did? Yeah, it just no, sounded... I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, you and I were just talking, and you sounded like you were right here, and then we started the show, and it's like, you're, you were like, far away. Like, what changed? Um uh, you it's may, better. You may have turned on some other equipment or something. I did nothing. Something that you're in. I did oh, nothing. Really? I did nothing. So, um, well, I've been enjoying my Ted Lasso cookie as we were talking about the uh, online. There yeah. was recipes online for the shortbread that Ted Lasso makes in the TV show on Apple TV Plus, um, and so I enjoyed my cookie with my coffee before we started the show. And, uh, you yeah. know, a shortbread cookie reminds me of, and I guess, I guess they're a type of shortbread. When, when I was a kid, every once in a while, you would get pecan sandies. Remember the pecan well, sandies? The, yeah, but I remember the Lorna Dune. That was, I guess, the brand, but that mm-hmm. was the shortbread cookies. Right. And that's, that's what we always bought just commercially, just buy a package of cookies. Right. Yeah. And these are like a Lorna Dune in that they're, um, they're like a butter cookie, and there's not a lot of like flavor or anything to it. It just tastes like you know, yep. a, a rich buttery cookie. Um, but the texture of these remind me much more of the of the uh, the pecan sandies, the kind of crumbliness of them. Yeah, you know, and the way they they bake them in the um, in the recipe that I got and in, in the show is they're sort of baked as a giant cookie, and then you cut it into little bars. And uh, yeah. boy, it's a good with a it's I a thought- good coffee cookie. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the sandy uh, thing kind of implied that there were a few little sprinkles of sugar crystals on top. Um, I don't know whether it was that or just the fact that it was kind of a crumbly cookie and had that. But I did sprinkle a little bit of, of just crystallized sugar on top of mine and, uh, and you know, just a, just a hint yeah. of sweetness and saltiness in there with the butter. And it's just, it's, yeah. you know, it's just a good buttery cookie that you probably don't want to eat too many of because I imagine there's, you know, uh, more calories than one would would want to eat if you had too many of them but they are kind of a doughy cookie because there's a lot of flour and i mean it's basically flour sugar and and butter uh and so you know having a a nice warm beverage whether it be coffee or tea it just that's a it's a very good combo there so uh, something to to nibble on while i'm sitting here looking at all the stuff going on in the tech world so um go ahead i was gonna say since you mentioned since you mentioned an apple tv show regarding Mm -hmm. the your cookies experience there's a pushing another or just announced 1971 the year that music changed everything it's uh right kind of a interesting sounding show uh, basically includes the rolling stones aretha franklin bob marley mm-hmm. marvin Gaye, the who Joni mitchell lou reed and others it says right but uh, you know yeah well, that was the transition certain... from sort of the the 60s uh, psychedelic rock and folk movements into a uh, singer-songwriter time period where there was a lot of Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills and Nash and that kind of stuff in the early 70s. And so it was a very transitional time for, for popular music. And a lot of that music was very socially aware music too, you know? And yeah. so I think it'll be interesting to watch. I'll, I'll certainly watch. I like documentaries if they're well done. And, uh, and so I'll probably watch that. And uh, as I well, understand it, they're basically doing a season of 1971 and then they'll do another season where they'll pick a different year and talk about music that year and how it impacted yeah. the world or reflected the yeah, world. There's a, 
there, there's another way of doing that. Uh, there's a I read an interesting comment on to the, on this article, and a guy mentions that uh, that the there was some that focused on studios like Motown, Muscle mm-hmm. Shoals, Stax, Chess, all worth, worth watching. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different ways to do that. Oh, sure. The um, the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl, the leader of the Foo, Foo Fighters, did a series. I think it was on HBO uh, a while ago. Might have been Netflix. Um, and that's what they did. They yeah. traveled to famous studios around the country, and they wrote a song at each and, and recorded a song at each studio, and uh, and sometimes you know invited famous people who had recorded at that studio to join them. And so they kind of traveled around the country and and they talked a little bit about what made that studio special too. not only in terms of um, the amazing music that was recorded there, but, you know, the type of equipment that they had and the um, uh, and the shape and space that they were recording in and how that affects uh, the music. And so, you know, they, they talked about like the um, that one of the places they were at uh, was in um, Austin and they, you know, where they record Austin City Limits and all the music that's been played as part of that show over the years. And uh, in fact, at one point in that ep- in one of the episodes, they were like behind the the stadium seating in there and there was an old piano tucked in there. And they said that, you know, the guy says, yeah, that one's not used very much anymore. And it was all beat up and stuff. And he says, I remember seeing that on shows. You know, I, I saw, you know, and then he yeah. listed, you know, different people who had played on that piano. And he kind of said, you know, I'll buy it from you. And they were like, no, no, we're not, we're not selling our history. <laughs> but he was like, I'll yeah. take that piano. If nobody's using it, you know, there's a lot of history on that piano. Um, yeah. You he, know, speaking of Austin City Limits, I saw a documentary on that not too long ago that was really fascinating. Some mm-hmm. of the early shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they, it, they're it, in the, they've moved their, their studio looks the same if you're watching the show, but they actually moved it to a new auditorium, um, uh, like almost a decade ago. Um, yeah, I get more space. Yeah. But they brought a lot of the stuff with them. So it's, it's, you know, they bring their history with them. There's a famous, um, recording studio here in, in the LA area called, um, sound city. And in fact, he, uh, Dave Grohl, they were selling it, selling it and tearing it down. Um, and they have since, revitalized and 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 kept the the studio going but at the time uh in order to save it he actually bought their um their their giant mixer and and recording system that was there because they were they were tearing it out and so he bought it and put it into a studio that is now available for other people to use and lease if they want to go in there and record because it had a very specific sound you know big old analog mixer um, and, sure. and, uh, it was custom made by this British guy. And he said, the guy only made like four of them in the, in the world. And each one of them, because they were handmade was different and had slightly different sounds that it, the way it recorded. And, uh, and he wanted to preserve that. So he did. And they have since the studio has since sort of been revived, but it's, you know, a lot of that, what made that studio unique wasn't just the space they were recording in, but that, that big unit. And that's no longer there. That's now in a different space. Um, yeah. Because he tried to save it, you know, and so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, he has an appreciation for the history of his industry. Um, but yeah, that was you know talk about different takes on the way music and, and the way um, uh, you can tell the story of different music creation and, and talking about the different recording companies and the studios that recording takes pl- take place in. 
you know, um, he did that. And it's an actually, I mean, whether you like his music or not, it's a very interesting documentary series to watch because I think there's like eight or so episodes, you know, and they do um, some recording in, in, you know, Nashville. They do some recording in Atlanta. They do some recording in um, in uh, New Orleans. They do, you know, L.A. I mean, they travel around to these different places where, and then they talk about the music that was recorded in each of these places and how that was significant and how it was important in the history of, of, of you know, American music. Um, you know, yeah. and then, like I said, he, he in, in each place he recorded a different song and, and, and in some instances wrote the song while he was there so that, you know, he kind of get the feel of that place. It was kind of neat. I'm sure it was fun yeah. for him and the band to do, too. You know, to, to me, one of the most enjoyable and memorable uh, sort of documentaries, I think, was just a TV kind of a show. I don't, it wasn't, uh, maybe it was an hour long, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it was when Paul Simon went to South Africa. And, oh, yeah. And that uh, recorded uh, the uh, Graceland album. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was tremendous. But then just the other day, I, I just happened on an article that that raised all kinds of political hassles in South Africa at the time that I was I just was totally unaware of. But, yeah, but no, I was aware of that because South Africa was basically banned from yeah. from from the world because of apartheid, and right. he was basically saying, yeah. "But if I go there and I work with the black African artists, am I not shining a spotlight on apartheid?" <laughs> you know, was his point. Yeah. Uh, he says, yeah. "You know, blanket blanket, you know." cutting them off from the world doesn't really make the point that we want to make, you know? And I think it was a combination of that. I think, you know, you got to have a a mix. You know, part of that album was also recorded in New Orleans. He did it. Part of it was uh, in South Africa and part of it was in New Orleans. So there was some Zydeco music from, from the Southern part of the United States mixed into that album as well. But, you know, they also did a tour of the, of America, and mm-hmm. they, we were just happened to be fortunate enough uh, that we went to Davidson College here, local, and mm-hmm. her, went to their concert. And the other really interesting thing about that is we just happened to have a friend from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And th- we had just, just met him, and I told him about this. And, man, he was excited, and he came. We were able to get him tickets, and, and mm-hmm. he still talks about that today. You yeah, know, Lady Smith, Black was. Mombaso. Yeah, was the uh, the yeah, vocal was... group that he worked with and did the backing vocals right. and the harmonies? Oh yeah. Oh, this this uh, this uh, Paul Simon wasn't with them at this concert that I'm right. talking about. It yeah, just, they've toured around yeah. on their own. Um, unfortunately, I yeah. think the leader of the original leader of the group that when when at least when Paul Simon was working with them, the gentleman who was there has passed away. But um, but the group continues on. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's neat to have things like that happen. You know, it just. Mm-hmm. out of the blue that comes up that we were going over to Davidson's for various uh, other things. We had, uh, well, Aaron, our, your sister-in-law, had sent uh, sent us gift certificates, I think, twice. To a concert series or something there on the campus? Yeah, to, right, right. They're different kind of concert series, uh, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. really were enjoyable, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, well, she being a musician and, and vocalist, um, you know, shares that passion in music that you have and and, and I have, and so I you yeah. know I love listening to live music of of almost all genre, and uh, you know, especially when it's played oh. live, there's something about it. There's something you know just special about seeing musicians play well, and and create those sounds together. 
Well, the last one we went to was highlighting North Carolina. Uh, uh, I forgot what the they didn't what the name they used for the the music, but native North Carolina heritage mm-hmm. or something like that. You know. Yeah. So, so very bluegrassy type uh, type of music. Really interesting, different bands. I mean, one of them uh, was a fairly large band. They, they they called it a band because, but it was vocal effects. It was almost like uh, what was that group that was popular in the '60s? Ray Conniff had vocals that didn't that weren't words. They just kind of sounded like imitation instruments as background for some of the other for mm-hmm. some vocalists. So it was a combination, but it was just all voices. Yeah, so it's and all done a cappella. Yeah, and and that's the way this uh, band did, and they they're from a local church here in Charlotte. Very and cool. They've been going for for a long time, and uh, they I read about them in the newspaper because they feed a lot of hungry people there. Their church is a large mm-hmm. restaurant almost uh, in the part of town they're in, and they help. They do a lot of good things helping people that that you know homeless and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they have this they at their. Uh, I haven't been to their church, but apparently they have a, a stage there where they not only feed the people, but this group entertains, you know? Yeah. So it's dinner it's and a, a show. Yeah. There I got you go. another call coming in, Todd. Uh, oh, it's my audiology. I'm going to have to drop out. I, I don't know how to do this. All right. Um, you gotta, do that. Okay. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll end and accept. Thank you. Uh, yep. All right, so he had to go, but he'll be back. He'll join us again in just a minute. Ever so professional, here we are, huh? Um, so there was recently an Apple event, and they brought out some great new um, equipment that is going to be available for order on the 30th and then shipping in the second half of May. Um, and one of those things was a new iPad Pro. And they put the M1 chip, which is the same chip that they've put into their computers, into the iPad Pro. So your MacBook uh, Air, your MacBook Pro 13-inch that they've released thus far, the Mac Mini, and they announced an iMac that will all be running the M1 chip. And it was a little bit of a surprise to see they were putting an M1 chip into an iPad because, generally speaking, the iPad chips have paralleled the phone instead of the Mac. So what they have is now an iPad that can run, theoretically, perfectly capable of running Mac software but they don't offer that. And I found it incredibly irritating to see that, that they announced it and they didn't do that. However, uh, their, uh, their head of marketing, Greg Joswiak and John Turnus, who is, uh, one of the guys in charge of hardware spoke to the independent, which is a UK based, um, newspaper about, uh, what they're doing and what's going on. And they, uh, they talked about, you know, what they have and what they don't have and what kind of what their plans are, I guess. And uh, they were fairly insistent that, you know, that there's uh, that their plans are, you know, their plans are what their plans are. They're trying to make the best product is basically what they boiled it down to. And so Joswiak said there's two conflicting stories people tell about the iPad and the Mac. Well, on the one hand, people say that they are in conflict with each other, that somebody has to decide whether they want a Mac or they want an iPad. Or people say that we're merging them into one and that there really is this grand conspiracy we have to eliminate two categories and make them one. Um, 
And the reality, and he says, and the reality is neither is true. We're quite proud of the fact that we work really, really hard to create the best products in their respective categories. Um, and he refuses to use the category for iPad as a tablet because he feels like tablets are garbage. And so he calls them iPads. So iPads are their own category in his mind. Um, of course, that's he's a marketing guy, right? So he's going to be very careful about the language that he says. Um, but, you know, as I read through this, nothing do they say, nowhere do they say that, you know, that they're merging them. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to allow an iPad to eventually run Mac software. Because if you think about it, right now, Apple offers a a keyboard case for an iPad Pro uh, that also works with the iPad Air um, that has not only a keyboard, but, a, but a, a touchpad in it. So if you wanted to run Mac software on an iPad, all you have to do is put it in that case and you've got everything that you would have on a laptop. You have a keyboard, you have a, a mouse controller, everything's there. I see no reason on earth why they wouldn't down in the bar, as soon as you attach it to the keyboard, down in the bar it says, okay, we see that you have a keyboard and a pointing device. Touch this button and we'll flip you into Mac OS. Uh, you know, touch that button in Mac OS, we'll flip you back into iPad OS. Or if you disconnect it from the keyboard, it automatically goes back to iPad OS um, because it doesn't have the keyboard and, and pointing device anymore. And the touchscreen doesn't count as a pointing device. That way you have the perfect tablet, but you can also run it as a Mac device if you wanted to. And to me, that would be the perfect uh, mix. Quite frankly, I would have signed up for uh, and would sign up for the iPad Pro immediately if it was able to do that, but it's not. It right now it just runs iPad OS, and there's a lot of people talking about the limitations of iPad OS and how they've got this great piece of software, and yet virtually every piece of software that runs on the iPad and the Mac is somehow limited when it runs on the iPad. It's not as good, and you know, I mean, I I loved what they were talking about in this in this um, uh, release in this announcement that they made last week. But there was just, uh, oh, here's, here's uh, my dad. Let's get him back in here. You're back. I'm back. So, um, yeah, so what I was doing uh, while you were gone was talking about uh, this recent interview that, uh, that Greg Joswiak and John Turnus from Apple were giving to, uh, they gave it to The Independent, uh, which is a New York-based newspaper. Um, but they were talking about the, the uh, recent releases or, or the recent um, announcements, because they haven't actually started shipping yet. They'll start shipping in the second half of May and you can start ordering at the end of April. So the 30th, I think they're going to go on sale of the new iMac and the new uh, iPad Pro, iPads Pro. And, um, uh, you know, I was sort of reiterating my disappointment with the way things have been presented there. I, I, I thought there was some great stuff and I thought, and I, and I fully understand why they're doing things the way they are. But I thought, you know, personally, the design of the iMac, I think that, that, you know, they, instead of putting the computer and speakers in the chin at the bottom of the screen, they should have just given me a screen and then hidden that either in the back and made the whole thing a little thicker. Or if they decided they didn't want to go any thicker and they wanted the back to be absolutely flat, then put it in the stand. Put the computer and the and the speakers in the stand, and 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 give me nothing but a screen in front of me. That metal chin along the bottom makes it look, to me, already old and outdated. Even though the rest of it looks brand new, but the basic shape on the front looks just like the old ones with that big metal chin at the bottom, and that doesn't make any sense. When I can get an iPad 
that has the exact same processor and everything, and it fits behind the screen. Right? Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Not, not only that, they're really catching it on the chin for people who absolutely want black face around the thing. They don't yeah. want any white. Yeah, I don't like the white either. In fact, every iPad I've ever owned, I have one iPad that had the white uh, uh, trim around the face of it, and I didn't like it at all. And so every one I've ever bought yeah. since then has been the, the black uh, face around it. It just looks better and, and uh, much cleaner looking. And I, yeah, I, I agree. And the other thing that seems stupid yeah. too is they have this wonderful new camera in the iPad that will track you. It's a wide angle and it tracks you and keeps you in the screen. And they put a new camera in the iMac, but it's not that camera. It's a much, much less effective camera, lower resolution, lower. It doesn't do any tracking. And it's like, why? You have this beautiful technology, and you're only putting it in the portable device. You're not putting it in the thing that I have to sit in front of, where I'm going to do the majority of my, my, uh, you know, FaceTime and Zoom calling if I have it. I just it, it's baffling some of the choices they made, and and it just yeah. it it makes no sense at all to me. Yeah, it really is. I, I agree. I agree. I you know, in fact, uh, there was uh, an article that I read that. Uh, a guy says you have to be crazy to buy this iMac, and the reason is, is given the price, you can go out and get uh, a, a, a larger, better resolution monitor. Uh, well, not better resolution; it was slightly worse. It was a four four K. You can get a four K monitor, monitor. Mm-hmm. and and say and save eight hundred dollars. You know? Yeah. I mean. You, you, well, yeah. Not, well, then yeah, you'll have absolutely. you'll have an ugly monitor. It won't be as pretty, but is pretty worth eight hundred dollars to you? Because yeah. you can buy an you can buy the little uh, Mac Mini and plug it into a four K monitor and have essentially yeah. the same functionality for a lot less expense, and you'll have more ports. Or, or the guy also said, if if you want to spend five hundred dollars more than you spend for the iMac, you can really get the top end monitor, which is a five K monitor that. Uh, uh, I think it was. Uh, it's like fifteen hundred bucks for the monitor alone for the five yeah, K right. LG monitor. That's that's the one, the LG. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which you know is a much bigger and much nicer monitor, and uh, mm-hmm. it's probably worth the five hundred dollars extra. You know. Yeah. If, if you're and really again, about- it's it's not going to look as pretty. It's not in their beautiful colored aluminum case that all matches. But is it worth that much money to have pretty? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and and the other thing is, is you do get a black uh, around it, like like you should have, you know. Right. <laughs> Just don't buy the stupid machine because of the color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would not buy it because they put white trim around it, or I would not buy it because of that chin. But mm-hmm. you know, I I don't understand those decisions. I don't, and I don't understand, especially like I said, they have this. Great technology they talk about with the, the the FaceTime camera, right? The eyesight camera built into the iPad. And then they didn't put that on the Mac. And it's great that they finally put, you know, a Touch ID on a, on a wireless keyboard. But when you sit in front of a desktop computer, you literally have to sit in front of it. You can't sit behind it. You have to sit, you have to sit in front of it. Why isn't there Face ID there? You can't tell me that the screen is not thick enough to handle it. It's, it, it's as thick as the iPad. So... Why? You know, I just look at that and I go, I do, why aren't you putting some of that technology into that other device? And you can't say that the technology doesn't support it because it's the same chip. It's the exact same chip that's in the iPad. And then on the reverse of that, I have an iPad 
that costs, you know, as much, if you get the, the 12.9 inch, costs as much as a laptop. Costs the same, has the same processor, same memory, same storage. You sell a keyboard that has a magnetic attachment that has a keyboard and a pointing device. So when I attach it to the mag, to the keyboard and pointing device, why don't I have a, an option to click a button and have the screen flip on in front of me and show me Mac OS? So I can run Mac OS for the things that I need to, and then I can click that button and it flips back, or if I detach it from the keyboard, it flips back to iPad OS and then does iPad stuff. Why doesn't it do yeah. both? It's perfectly capable of. I will tell you, though, that if you listen to this article and you read the actual quotes through this article between um, Greg Joswiak, who is the head of marketing, and John Turnus, who is uh, their hardware design guy, nothing in there says that they're not going to do that. They're very careful about how they word everything. And nothing says that they are not going to, perhaps at when they talk about OS updates at, um, at uh, Macworld Expo in June, that they might come out and say, okay, now that the iPad can do it, we're going to give you the option of running whichever OS you want. You can flip it around back and forth. You know, yeah. and they'll store. I mean, they both have a, a you know a, a files app that allows you to get to the the files, so you can create it in one place and open it up in the other place. And when you have the keyboard and the pointing device, then it'll act as a Mac if you want it to, um, or if you don't, just leave it in iPad mode. But if well, you pop it off the stand, then it becomes an iPad. I hope they do that because if they do that, then the iPad Pro suddenly becomes the one device that allows you to do everything. Because everybody, and, and this is my feeling too, uh, you know, if, if you look at like an app on, on the Mac and an app on the iPad, almost all of the major apps are available in both, with a notable, except, notable exception of the two pro apps that Apple sells. Neither of those are available on the iPad. They're only available on Mac OS. But, um, but you know, all of the Adobe stuff, the Microsoft stuff, everything's available on both. But the iPad version is always lesser. It doesn't quite do it. Do all this doesn't have all the same functions doesn't quite work the same way well of course of course it's not going to work the same way because it's built for touch but they they don't there are some some things they just don't do yeah and what, so you what, have to go to a Mac if you want to do it you know yeah what what a uh, another reviewer I read said we're being played you know because basically all this other stuff's coming you know that it's just that they want to sell you something less first and then make you buy another one later, you know, which is crap. Yeah. Well, and you know, and Apple has always done that and it's a marketing decision when they trickle out, you know, different functionality, but clearly if you were to get, I mean, right now I would say that if you're buying a device from Apple, the most future proofed one would be one of these two Mac pros, whether you want that fancy screen on the, on the 12.9 inch or whether you're fine with the regular screen on the on the 11 inch one, they both have the same processor and memory and storage options, and both of those are set up to be able to run both of the Apple operating systems at some point. Whether or not they do that is a whole other story. But if they don't do that, I would completely lose respect for the company because that's the device that everybody wants. Anybody who uses this stuff, you know, there's times when you look at Apple and you go, "Do you guys actually use your stuff? Do you actually ever use it?" Because you've made some really stupid decisions in the past, you know? Yeah. Um, and finally, they're fixing some of them, like the remote on the uh, Apple TV. They're getting rid of that dumb, uh, you know, giant touch sensor springboard thing on the top of their current Apple TV remotes for a new version of the Apple remote or the Siri remote. 
um, that goes back to a dial that still has touch space, but at least it's identified as such, as opposed to something that looks the same no matter which way you're holding it in your hand. Well, um, you know. Did you, and, did, did you hear about the fact that you can't play some of the games, existing games, with the Apple TV? With with uh, the with, with the, the new remote? remote? I I will yeah. say that's that's people are making a big ado about nothing there though, because nobody in their right mind used that stupid remote to play a game. If you really wanted to play games, uh, seriously play games, you, you bought a game controller. And that's why they support a whole bunch of different game controllers. Because people who play oh. games use game controllers designed to play games. Nobody used that dumb little, uh, you know, uh, four-inch aluminum remote to play anything but the, the simplest of games. And you can still play those with the big remote. It just doesn't have well, a, a motion sensor well, in it anymore. Well, well, the reason was is they removed capability. They, they used to have an accelerometer gyro in it. Right. Don't have it in the new one. Right. And I would say I don't care. I like again, it's like I I have played a few games on the on the Apple TV. Never expected to use that stupid remote because it's a terrible game controller. It's terrible. It was awful. And so why continue to make something to do something badly? Either give us a game controller or now they they don't they've never given you an Apple game controller, but they support game controllers from both Microsoft and Sony, which are the two number one well, gaming machines, well, as well, well as several other manufacturers. Well, they haven't come out with that agreed to standard controller they worked out with uh, Microsoft yet, and so maybe that's the reason because they will, in addition to this thing, uh, they will have a game controller that works with the with a new Apple TV. They have had, and and I and I, you, know, you maybe have not been aware of this because you're not a gamer, but you have been able to use the Microsoft Xbox controller, the PlayStation controller, and a plethora of controllers made by third parties as a gaming controller on the Apple TV now for several years, without any trouble. So I don't know what that standard is that you read about a while back. I remember when you did, but you can. I mean, I've got a game controller sitting here right now on top of my Apple TV here in my office that works fine. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so that, so there's no reason to have uh, no nobody in their right mind used that at little Apple remote to play games on the Apple TV because it's a terrible game controller. Doesn't have the right, you know, buttons and features and 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 doesn't fit in your hand. I mean, it's just it was awful. And so I fully understand them taking that out. What I don't understand though is what's the one thing universally everybody in the world has had to do at one time or another? Look for their remote. Yeah. Why didn't they put the stupid U1 chip in the remote so that it works with the Find My? They have this so big they, this big well, announcement about their stupid little tags that you know you can use to find things. And so their response I guess is I'm supposed to take one of these dumb tags and stick it on this 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 wonderful remote that you've designed. I now have to stick a giant wart on it in order to find it. <laughs> because and you were too cheap to stick a chip in it that probably cost you and, 3 cents. I just and don't understand perfect, that. It, and it's perfectly designed to fit right down the cracks of every sofa in the world. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's smooth aluminum. You know it's going to slide down in the cushions, and you're going to be going, where's this stupid remote? You know? Hey, let me use my Find My on my phone, because it'll help me find my Apple stuff except for this remote, because they were too cheap to put that chip in it. I mean, like, really? Is that not the dumbest move ever? I just don't understand you know, I, some of these moves. They they came so close on some of this stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I, I used my big old iPhone right at, on my uh, chair, and I can't tell you how many times it slipped down the crack. 
Yeah. I'm happy that it's big as it is because it doesn't always go all the way down. I can yeah. catch it before. It, yeah, you, know, you can goes falls on the floor. <laughs> stick your hand down in between the cushions and try to fish it out. Um, yeah. But uh, but the, you know, I mean, some of their design choices and the things they added and didn't add just don't make any sense to me. You know, there should be a U1 chip in that remote. You, I mean, uh, they're touting, you know, how wonderful Find My is to find things. And then the one thing that you know you're going to have to find at some point, they don't put the chip in. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Makes no sense at all. Irritates the crud out of me. You know, well, they have this beautiful technology that they talk about in their iPad, how it's going to make, uh, you know, uh, the, your FaceTiming and stuff so much better because it'll kind of follow you around and it's got high resolution. If you lean to one way or the other, it keeps you centered in the picture. And then they don't put it on the device where you have to sit in front of it and, and talk into a camera. And you, and, and you, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Why is that not in the, in the iMac as well? It was dumb. They put a new camera in the iMac. Finally, they had some of the worst cameras in the industry. They had old 720p cameras in those things when everybody else is running like, you know, at least 1080p, if not 4k cameras, and, and so they finally move it up to a 1080p camera, but then they don't put the wide-angle lens on it and don't use the technology to help track you. And yet they've got it because they put it into their portable device. They've got a beautiful portable device that could run any OS that they make, but they, they constrict it and only put the, the tablet uh, OS on it because that's the way we decide we want to sell it because that makes sense for who. You know, just so many I, uh, things where they sort of almost kind of got it but didn't quite go far enough, in my opinion, that, you know, and, it, and I'm not asking them to do things that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if they did and insert, you know, dream thing here. I'm saying you put it on this product. Why didn't you put it on that product? If it's such a great thing over here, why do I get a cheapened, crappy version of it over here that doesn't work as well as that one? I don't understand that. Because you can't tell me it's not, you know, you, you have the technology to do it. You have the physical space to do it. There's nothing stopping you from doing that other than you just made a decision. And it's annoying. It's really annoying. Well, well, anyway, Apple is is going to spend a lot of more money on new locations and jobs in the country. Uh, Two billion dollars worth. Good. Maybe they can hire somebody who knows how to make better decisions. And, and they're they currently the lar- largest out, outside of California uh, business is in Austin, Texas. They have two buildings there and eight thousand employees. But the lo- the long term big. Uh, way uh, location is going to be uh, in a research triangle in North Carolina. Yeah. Getting close to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know that North Carolina is one of the places they've been investing in for a while. And they, along with a lot of companies, have been um, moving some of their uh, capability and hiring people in Texas. There's actually been a fairly large outflow from California to to Texas and to um, uh, Oregon. Those are the two places that seem to be, and, and a few to, to uh, Arizona, although I've got to say, uh, you know, you have to be a special person to want to move to Arizona. Well, if you, go uh, visit Arizona in July and tell me if that's where you want to live. Uh, you know, I mean, well, let me ta- let, let me Flagstaff is one thing, but the rest of the state, you know. <laughs> yeah. this, this morning's announcement says they have 1,000 people in Seattle, and that's going to double. Yeah. Uh, they have 700, they're going to have 700 employees in Boulder. 3,000 in Culver City, mm-hmm. 5,000 in San Diego. 
So they're growing well, they cert- in California also. Yeah. No, they, they are. They're taking on businesses there. Although I think what you're also finding is a lot of these people are finding out that they can work online, and they're saying, I can live wherever I want. You know, I may work out of the San Diego yeah. office, but I can live in Hawaii if I feel like it. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a pretty good deal. Um, you know, you fly yeah, into the I, office I, like once every couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I wondered about that, but they didn't say anything here. They just say that the, these are all engineering operations, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Well, and I can understand them also having something in the Seattle area because there are other tech companies there. And so people who leave their job from, you know, Microsoft or, uh, or uh, you know, Amazon or Google and say, hey, um, you know, I I work in the tech industry, but I don't really want to relocate. What else is available to me? And uh, so, you know, Apple's like they want to get the best and the brightest they can. So all of the tech companies do a little bit of that. You know, they'll all have an office or two in the area where one of their competitors are, because you never know when one of those one one of the the best and the brightest from, you know, company A suddenly is like, uh, hey, I'm looking for a new job. I'm not happy here. What are my options? Well, and they're like, well, we'll give you an option. <laughs> They want a lot. The real reason they want to come to North Carolina is because of the schools here. So the, you know, they call it the, the triangle because there's three schools here. Sure. You know. And, yeah. Uh, well, and that's and that's the and, reason and, for North Carolina. But I was talking about like in the Seattle area. You know, yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. there's other reasons to set up places. I mean, they set up in Texas because they have some friendly tax codes in Texas, and they set up in North Carolina because there's schools putting out uh, people who are educated the way in the areas that they need edu- educated people. Uh, you know, there's lots of reasons to open up an office somewhere. But the other thing is I found out that they have uh, several of their top-level people are from North Carolina, mm-hmm. the Raleigh area, okay? And so they uh, that probably had something to do with the decision, as well as a lot of quite a few employees from North Carolina out in California already, and they want to come home, I think. <laughs> well, there's that possibility, you know. I know... Um, when I used to work for Gannett Newspapers at the time, the CEO of Gannett was born and raised in the Pittsburgh area. And I was working at some new startup papers that Gannett had made in the Pittsburgh area. And quite honestly, I think a large portion of that was um, because they wanted to, uh, he he said, I, you know, I want an excuse and a deduction for going, I can go visit those papers. And while I'm here, I can say hi to my mom. And so we had the CEO of the company coming through our papers, probably more than most of the uh, of the Gannett properties just because a, it was, they were new in startups, but B it just so happened that it was in the area where his family was. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah I can go do that. And that well, makes, you know, well, when you're the boss, you well, can do things like that. Well, they dropped a mm-hmm. couple names here. They did say that Tim Cook and Jeff Williams got their MBA MBAs from Duke. Right. And, yeah. I was going to uh, say, yeah, I, I'm looking at Tim Cook's page on uh, Wikipedia right now. And yeah, he went to Duke. Yeah, so, and, and, and Eddie Q graduated from Duke. Yeah, they got some dookies. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting to see how they're growing. And it doesn't surprise me. They got money to spend and they should be uh, having multiple engineering organizations uh, around the country for different reasons. I'm sure they'll specialize by product line or something like that as to what they do in each of these places. But... uh, you know, in a, in a sense, they become kind of almost semi-independent or autonomous uh, mm-hmm. to Apple, you know. Yeah, and well, I mean, like, like you know, administratively, they're they're independent, but they're not they're not 
independent and autonomous. I mean, they, you know, they still do what they're instructed to oh, do, yeah. but each location is set up to do certain things and they're there for, you know, there, there's reasons within the corporate structure, right? Um, sure. You know, that makes sense. Um, yeah. You but know, I'm I mean, sure I, they'll, I, have, they'll, they'll have presidents or some guy, I don't know whether they call them presidents or somebody that's in charge at each location. Yeah. There'll be know? a director or a vice president or something that runs that, that facility. Yeah, I mean so. that that's typical of every, you know, like like when I worked yeah. for Gannett, every newspaper had a publisher. You know, he was the guy who was in charge of that newspaper, the ultimate boss at that location. You know, and he was still, yeah. you know, subservient to a corporate person, but but uh uh you know, within the the realm of that particular paper, you know, he hired and fired. So Yep. Yep. So <clears throat> Anyway, uh, the, uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to now is to sort of read uh, some article that has some clue as to what they're going to be doing at each location, you know, where their operations mm-hmm. are for, you know, whatever side, part of the business you want to look at. Yeah. Well, you know, too, if they've got skill sets in one place and that person doesn't want to leave that, that location, you know, these days you can have virtual groups and virtual teams. They don't have to be sitting in the same office to get things done. So, you know, right. they just have to set up offices where the skill sets are, you know. And if you're valuable enough, they'll build an office for you, you know, uh, for you yeah. and or your team. So yeah. it just depends on, you know, how much they value what it is you do and how unique that is, right? Yep. Um, anyway, the first time I've seen in print here also is that there is no chance that Apple can address the entirety of its line with a single SOC, silicon on uh, you know, piece. yeah. Well, pieces, single chip. Single, in other words, yeah, yeah. System on a chip. System on a chip is what SOC. Yeah. Um, I, whoever said they were going to? I don't think that they ever said they were. That's yeah. kind so of a dumb so statement. The, so that so this article, no, it was a lead thing on the discussion that talks about you know what kinds of things they might differentiate uh, in the design based on you know, different kinds of products and what their right. demands are. Now, I think where, where there may be perhaps a little bit wrong in that statement is they can take different variations and derivatives of that single SOC and make it fit into each of the different things they want so that they can have a common core technology that they then expand in different areas and make custom versions of it for whatever their needs are. You know, as right. as already evidenced by the fact that they have a custom version of the uh, of their system on a chip running in their watch that is different than runs in their phone, uh, you know, because there's different needs in that environment than there is on a phone. Uh, and yet the underlying yeah. device and the underlying microcode for that device are all the same. Right. You know, and I think, yeah, they'll continue to do variations. What's what what remains to be seen is what is the step up from the M1, because at this point we've seen a bunch of consumer grade computers that are outstanding for what they are. But, you know, you make certain decisions and compromises when you're building something as a consumer grade computer versus a computer that's being designed for somebody who is uh, going to use it commercially or professionally because they have different needs. And as fast as these computers are, if you are a uh, somebody who does uh, like movie editing or large image editing, 
um, you can push the limits of these computers and their 16 uh, gigabytes of memory pretty quickly. And that's the reason that, you know, pros have bought uh, Intel-based Macs with, you know, 64 and 128 gigabytes of memory in them because they're large, you know, they're, they're loading in these things that are multi-gigabytes and sometimes terabytes in size. And in order to work with them, you need a computer that can handle all of that. And so clearly Apple's got to expand the M1 architecture out to, you know, whether they call it the M1X or the or the M2 or the M1.1 or the M100 or whatever they're going to call it, that next level we haven't seen yet. We don't know what that's going to mean, you know. Does it mean more processors? I mean, certainly it's got to support more more I.O. and more storage and more uh, working memory because right now you're maxed out at 2 terabytes of storage and 16 gigabytes of memory in whichever box it comes in, whether it be the iPad, the iMac, the... Uh, MacBook right. Air, you know, they're all they all have the same limitations, right? The only thing we've seen is is um, slight variations in the in the number of I/O ports, and so the the right now the MacBook Mini or the Mac Mini rather is the one that has the most ports on it, right? Because it's got uh, two Thunderbolt, two USB C, and and two USB A ports, so it's it's got yeah. six ports, which is the most. Excuse yeah. me. So. Talk, talking about ports, that kind of leads me to another uh, item. There were some stolen schematics from Apple supplier Quanta Computer yeah. online. And they, they have a picture here of the potentially a next-generation MacBook Pro models that will have uh, both the uh, mm-hmm. MagSafe charging port and some, some other ports on the same side. And then it mm-hmm. talks about ones on the opposite end. Yeah, the idea that they're that they're um, bringing back some of the ports that they're they're continued pressing towards simplification and and saying the answer is get a dongle was irritating a lot of people. So hopefully they've listened and we'll see something like that come back. Yeah. Like the MagSafe, I always liked the MagSafe, um, uh, and the fact that they went away from that and went to USB C attachments to me was a step backwards. The idea that that yeah. that you know that the cord. Now, I will say on occasion the MagSafe come, came un, you know, disconnected and it was a little irritating. Um, but I will take that over somebody, you know, catching a foot on the cord because I'm I'm that clumsy guy, um, and you know, I'm pulling the whole thing down onto the floor and crashing and you know, perhaps damaging your expensive yeah. computer. Uh, yeah, I think the MagSafe was a great idea, and I'm happy to I'm happy to hear that that may be coming back. Um, likewise, as somebody who who is a photographer, um, uh, I would like to see them bring back the the uh, uh, slot to read the um, SD cards, which uh, is reportedly coming back, as well yeah, as... Yeah, that was on there. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, if you want to use a USB-C to charge it, that's fine, you know, give me that option, but uh, but the MagSafe charger just makes a lot more sense to me. So I've got a daughter who's been waiting to buy a new Mac, and she read about these ports, and she also doesn't like the idea of just having a couple USB-C ports. And so she's been waiting to replace hers, which is um, she's got a 2012 MacBook Air that was a gift from you when she graduated high school. And she's used it all through college for her bachelor's degree and now her master's degree. And and the lid doesn't stay up by itself anymore. She has to prop something up to hold the the top up, and it's just – it's – it's been used really? very well, very well yeah. for the last, you know, but it's, it's, you know, nine years old now. Um, you yeah. know, it's time, it's due. 
So she's she's looking at a new one, but she's been holding off, and she was hoping that this announcement maybe would have that the new laptops in it. So I've told her, well, you know, here's what the rumors are, and this seems pretty pretty solid to me. The idea that they had blueprints, um, but uh, we still don't know when. You know, are they going to announce it when in June at the uh, at the developers conference? They sometimes have hardware there, sometimes they don't. You know, well I, that was. That- that that was a rumor that there was going to be uh, maybe the pro. See, because we don't have a pro announcement yet with the M1, you know. Right. Well, that's what we were talking about a minute ago. It's like we don't know, you know, the pro devices, the M1 doesn't cut it. It's not enough. So for the pro devices, are we going to have an M1X or an M1 O1 yeah. or, you know, whatever that will, um, you know, M2 that will have, you know, more memory, more storage, more ports? That's what we want more, you know, and maybe even faster graphics. Um, although yeah. I understand the graphics in the M1 are pretty good, um, even compared to some discrete, you know, separate video cards. But I was listening to a guy who is a professional um, uh, video guy, and he said it's not hard to push the M1 video to the point where it's it's not able to do what you could do with a, you know, a, a good iMac Pro that runs Intel that has a discrete um, uh, graphics card in it, or the Mac Pro, which you know you can put your own cards in. He says it's it's not on that level yet, but it's you know it's good. So yeah, yeah they clearly have to have something that's going to be a variation of that upscaled, right? Yeah. But by, by the way, get, getting back to this uh, stolen stuff, uh, that this this. One picture here is the only thing that apparently has been actually released by this company, but it, it's it's a ransomware group that that stole it, and basically they wanted they wanted five hundred or fifty million dollar in exchange for deleting the files, and it was timed to match up with the uh, with the last uh, spring loaded event, you know, that Apple mm-hmm. just recently had uh, to kind of put them under pressure. Uh, at a at a bad time, yeah. And uh, the question now is, is is there more information that's going to be leaked? And, yeah, and they're claiming so that there is. Yeah, yeah. Well, kudos to Apple but, uh, for not giving. I mean, I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, but I wouldn't give into that. You know, it's like fine. You tell people what you think is going to happen. We'll do what we're going to do. Yeah. So. So anyway, it's it's uh, it's kind of a surprise that something like this would would come up. You know. Somebody yeah. would dare to do something like that with when when they got all this mm-hmm. money and stuff that can go chasing them. The see, the longer they try to sit around, they're they're being hunted like crazy now. There's a lot of money out of, for their hits. Oh yeah, I bet they got to know that, you know. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, online, that kind of blackmail, they're going to end up in jail, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, a- a- Apple has got to be doing all kinds of online stuff to go after them too. Mm-hmm. So I just shared a link with you. The people who want their MagSafe and they have one of the USB-C charging things, there are several companies that make little adapters that you snap onto the end of your USB cable and then you plug a little thing into the USB-C port that barely sticks out and you can turn your current USB-C charging Mac into a um, into a MagSafe connector if you want yeah. for those who want yeah. that. So there's there's quite a few options out there and... Uh, yeah, I've as read, long as the jerk, 
as long as the jerk doesn't pull it out of the USB C port. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So theoretically, it's going to snug on to the to the USB C port better than the magnet. Right. It depends on how strong the magnet is, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've read some reviews of these, and most of them they say it works okay. There's been a few where they said that the connection was not as consistent as they would like. Um. You know, which is yeah. Probably not surprising, but uh, makes sense. Yeah. So uh, innovation moves to fill the problem. You've got one of these Macs, right? Your little, uh, your little uh, original MacBook. Nothing has a uh, USB. You have only one USB C port, right? And that's how yeah. you charge it. So you could get one of these if you wanted and see how it charges. I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't use I don't use my computer that much anyway. The real yeah. problem I have with it now is I have a message that I, I really need to take it into Apple and have a battery replaced. It's uh, gone to its lowest point that they consider it can, you know, still uh, usable. Eighty-five mm-hmm. percent charge is all it'll take. Yeah. And and so uh, I don't know what happens if I the longer I keep it. I guess the less I charge it, less it'll last you know yeah un- un- unplug it 15 minutes later it's dead again you know i mean it's that kind of thing how long is it gonna last you know because there's always a drip 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 you know yeah yeah well and and you know that's one of those things that that has a um has a limited life so yeah. you know apparently apple charges you 199 bucks to replace the uh the battery in in the MacBook, the the 2015 MacBook. Um, yeah. So, and the uh, looks like the was it OWC, uh, Otherworld Computing, sells a kit yeah. to replace the battery yourself if you want to dig into it. I'm not going to do it. No. Yeah, I just I just pay the price and get it done. Yeah, there was a time when I would get into it, you know, but yeah. uh, those days are uh, are behind me, I think. I, I'm with you. I don't know that I would want to dig into it that much, but... Uh, uh, but, you know, there are some yeah. things like, I remember when I would take, I, I replaced batteries in, in iPhones and stuff too, but ever since they went to the secure enclave, uh, if you open up the device then you break that. And so um, my feeling is, is then, yeah, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to be responsible for messing up the function of the phone because I opened it. So it's much better to just let Apple handle it or at least an Apple certified repair person. Yeah. Some of that stuff is, you know, I'm, I'm all for the, the um, laws that say that you have the right to repair. You know, if you buy it, it's yours and they can't stop you from repairing it. Um, yeah. but sometimes I think that's not the right choice. <laughs> you know, I should have right. the right to repair. It doesn't mean that that's the right choice to make, but I should have the right to do it. Yeah. By, by the way, related to the M1, uh, products now and is the uh, built in GPU hardware. Uh, it says really, uh, doesn't come up to what's needed in the professionals, uh, unit. So they're kind of thinking that the Mac pro, option might just still extend the life of 
the uh, AMD's GPU hardware. Yeah. Uh, because it's I, I don't know all the numbers the Radon sixty eight hundred and X sixty eight hundred XT sixty whatever I'm not been into that but they're saying right. that these will probably be extended support for some time until Apple figures out what they're really going to do to try to uh, achieve. GPU mm-hmm. performance equivalents, yeah. you know. I, I would venture to say they've already figured out what they're going to do. They just haven't announced it to us. And so right. whether they have integrated GPUs that are going to be more and more powerful so that they can handle the, the workload, or whether they say we're going to continue to support external GPUs so that you can uh, buy them to match whatever your workload is, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Um but uh, they're going to have to do something because, yeah, there's certainly workloads within, um, you know, professional ranks that have needs that extend beyond the capabilities of what the current M1s are. You know, which just yeah, goes back what, to that whole conversation about what's after the M1, right? And we don't know. Right. Right. That, well, that, that's what the author of this article basically is saying. He says it's just likely that they will support that uh, these external GPUs. Yeah. In some future Macs, uh, question is which ones and for how long. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and I, you know, I don't know if it's likely or not. We, Apple seems to be marching down this road of you know we're, we can just do it all ourselves. We've got the skills and the capabilities and the people to design our own. So they might come out with uh, with the follow on to the M1 for the Pro line that has phenomenal graphics that that beat the graphics that are out there. But you know that yeah. remains yeah. to be seen. That remains yep. to be seen. The, um, uh, you know, one of the things that people really wanted, uh, at least the professionals, was that the, the, the Mac Pro come back and be open to putting cards into it so that you can upgrade the device over time. So are they right. going to continue to support that kind of architecture with subsequent chips? Or are they going to say, I, no, it's all going to be integrated, and so you might as well just get an iMac Pro? You know, I, we just... I, I say that's a losing battle. The, the trend we're headed down says that uh, you're, you're not going to achieve this kind of... The best performance is going to come out of the integrated solutions. Yeah, really I, yeah I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that the, that's how you're going to get your best performance. But there are some, some uses for computers and functions where they need a, you know, a special card or a custom card to provide input or connection to some other device. And, uh, you know, and either Apple won't support that and those people will have to go to a Windows machine or a Linux machine or Apple will figure out some way to to do that. And they have to make that decision. Is that a market that they want to continue to play in? Yeah. Um, You know, clearly they went back to that market in a big way. It would seem a little weird to then turn around and say, um, you know, now we're not going to do it. My guess is that they're going to continue to support it in some way because when they announced, you know, remember uh, it was a couple of years ago, they had, they brought in like five or six people and told them that they were reversing their, their direction and they were going to go ahead and create a Mac pro again that supported cards. Yeah. And it took them like three right. years to get that out the door. And everybody's like, why is it taking so long to build a box and stick a CPU in it? Well, the reason yeah. was, is that they were architecting it for this new chip all along that they weren't you know and and that meant that they had to design a chip that would then allow them to have this box right and that was a major change for them because yeah building a box and throwing a chip in it they could have done that in a weekend 
but they needed to make sure that whatever that box was was going to support this new CPU and its architecture and how it was going to interface with the world. You know, and so they had to design yeah. a box that that met what they were selling today as well as what they were going to sell for the next ten years. Right, right. You know, yeah. There's he, all all kinds of reasons uh, that that come to light once you're aware that they're they're, they're whole, going down a different road now. Right. So, yeah, because I I remember people talking about this. Was, Why is it taking so long? They told us about this that they're going to redo the rethink it and build us a, a new expandable box. And, and, you know, and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting, you know, and finally when they came out, it was ridiculously expensive, but it was basically a box. And you're like, why did that take three years? Well, if you look at the bigger picture, now you say, okay, and I will bet you that when we see the first, uh, you know, M series, I'll just call it M series chip in that box for the professionals, that they're going to maintain that expandability and, 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 you know, but what will be weird is is if they do that and they have a, a componentized architecture, how do they do that and maintain all the speed and 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 um, and uh, th- gains that they've picked by putting everything together on a on a single system on a chip? You know, you would hate to have your laptop be faster at memory access than your professional computer just because your professional computer is expandable. But that's kind of the road we're looking at, right? Unless they've got something up their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. By the way, do did this uh, iPad Pro that I got from you? Does this this keyboard called the Magic Keyboard? I, um, I don't know. I never studied these. And the reason I ask is if it's an original Magic Keyboard, it's not supported in the new twelve and a half inch iMac Pro. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's not the Magic Keyboard. The Magic Keyboard is a rigid. Um, keyboard that has the uh the little um uh touchpad at the bottom of it so um they they have a i'm trying to figure out their i can remember their their terminology so the magic keyboard is the one that's rigid and that's the one that because of the thickness the 13 inch won't fit in the old ones the 11 inch still works just fine um yours is called the smart keyboard folio oh and that was the only one available when i purchased that originally um they subsequently came out with the smart keyboard but the, for that size device it was you know uh three hundred dollars and i looked at it and went i don't need a three hundred dollar keyboard not when i've got one that works yeah. just fine anyway <laughs> you know um had i not had i not had a keyboard at all then i might have looked at that but i already had the folio keyboard and went eh, you know and if i want to put a pointing device to it i can use a mouse or, or a touchpad which i have sitting around here and I did that just to test it to see what it's like. So, yeah. Anyway, I read that and I said, "Hmm, I wonder if that's." I yeah. mean, they have a picture of one on here with the touchpad, so I figured that was the Magic Keyboard. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I just wanted to know. Yeah, since the ma- it doesn't work. Yeah, the Magic Keyboard, the one you have, should work with a new iPad if you wanted to upgrade. Uh, because it's a little bit, like I said, it's a folio, so it's it's a little looser. The fit isn't quite as tight. Doesn't have a a hard hinge in the back, um, and so um, you know it should work fine. Because we're only talking about a half a millimeter in difference, but that half a millimeter, yeah. I guess, is enough that that the uh, that the smart keyboard won't be able to close if you put the thicker new iPad in it. Um, ah, so. 
but the okay. it but the it is compatible with the third, fourth, and fifth generation. The 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 smart folio is compatible with the third, fourth, and the new fifth generation uh twelve point nine inch iPad. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I hate it I hate it when stuff I have just gets goes out of sync, you know, you gotta just well throw it away when you're done with your yeah, well, it just means that you know if you buy something new that you you have to buy new peripherals and the old peripherals just go with the old device, right? Wherever that is, right? <laughs> right. Whatever that is. I also see that the new one, um, the new keyboard, smart keyboard, comes in both the gray color and the white, and I can't imagine wanting a white keyboard. That's going to be so grimy yeah. <laughs> after a very yeah. short period of time. I would rather. I it's still dirty if it's brown. I just don't want to see the dirt, <laughs> you know. I don't want to yeah. look at it, you know, because then I'll be wanting to clean yeah. it. I, I would bet that there's a higher failure rate on the white ones than the brown ones because people are in there cleaning it all the time and there'll be <laughs> liquids getting in the Drop. keyboard and causing failure. Right. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen. Whereas the brown ones, yeah. people won't clean it as often because they just don't see it. So. I got one last uh, topic here that uh wanted to bring up. Uh, that is that apparently they're getting close enough on the uh, uh, visual uh, headset glasses arena that mm-hmm. there's rumors that there probably will be one coming out in 22, but that's not the one that people will, the general people are going to buy because it's going to be over 3000 bucks. And that yeah. is really to get the software world out there buying these. Yeah, I think that's for developers. Yeah, that's for the yeah. developers, right? Because... They're the ones right. who will say, hey, we can see how this works. And, yeah, they're saying a couple years, probably two or three years after that, they'll have the ones that look like glasses for people's faces. But the first yeah. one's going to look like like the current VR. Um, uh, they're going to call them AR headsets, but it's going to be, yeah. they're going to look a lot like the current VR headsets that are out there, a big clunky thing on your face. Yeah, but apparently they're coming along pretty well in the glasses arena even now. Uh, so I don't know if it'll really be that far out. And the reason is... Uh, there's a, apparently a move underway to make them smaller and more comfortable fitting and all of this now yeah. so that the technology parts of it seem like they're getting solidified to the point mm-hmm. where they can they can now fit everything on that they want on the glasses, but they want it smaller and nice looking and all that other stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to wear glasses that look like you're wearing a face mask. You want glasses that look like the glasses you would normally buy. And they're never right. going to be like wireframe glasses, because they have to have some space in the in the little arms that go back over your ears to put, you know, batteries and speakers and some some kind of a chip or something. Some, right. You know. Uh, yep. But uh, uh, they can certainly make them look less um, less like a dork when you're walking down the street. Is the bottom line, right? <laughs> you don't yeah. you don't want to walk down the street <laughs> wearing your your fancy smart glasses and look like a bozo, which was. Excuse me. That was the problem with the uh, those Google the Google Glass when it came out. Right? Is everybody right. who saw them looked at it and went, "You, you knew what it was." Yeah, <laughs> you went, "Hey, there's an idiot." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, of all of this stuff, this technology that I've been reading out about, it it finally soaked in what you had talked about a little bit earlier today, uh, and that was this uh, iPad uh, camera that. Uh, follows you uh, if you don't 
if you're not right in front, you know, you get off to the side and mm-hmm. somebody else joins in the conversation, the wide angle and the yeah, track Yeah, down. it'll so open up a wide angle if there's multiple people, and it'll track you if you move around a room. And they don't have to have a camera that moves. It's it's a wide angle one, so they just, you know, use yeah, the, so, the focus in so a 12-megapixel camera. So I'm interested to see a kind of a demonstration, get my hands on one of those iPads when they get them in the stores, mm-hmm. uh, which, which uh, may be uh, sometime in the middle of May, I guess. Right. Now. Uh, and uh, they and demonstrated it. They demonstrated it during the keynote. So you can go back and watch the keynote. And they showed a guy in a kitchen talking to somebody. And then his daughter comes into the screen and the thing backs up and it keeps and it recenters as he moves in the kitchen. And oh, so yeah, yeah. You can go, okay, you can, I, I might do that. We should go back and watch the video. Yeah, and there was a, a little bit of a video. In fact, I'm seeing if uh, on the iPad page, maybe they just have that section, uh, so you can yeah. watch just that part of the keynote, you know, as a demonstration. I don't see right. it here though. Well, maybe it's under the iPad uh, Pro only. Uh, mm, great. I hate it when they they capture your your scroll, and so you don't you, instead of scrolling up and down. You, uh, you now, you know, it's just changing things on the screen instead of actually scrolling the screen. It's like, I don't like that. Don't capture my scroll. If I'm scrolling up and down, it's because I want to scroll up and down, not because I want to have you run an animation. Well, when you, when you say capture scroll, what do you really mean by that? Because I've noticed that you, 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 your finger can't move the screen is what it amounts to, right? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is that They've captured the scroll. So instead of the scroll moving up and down, it's walking me through some stupid animation, and the screen is not scrolling up and down. You know, yeah. If I want to play an animation, give me a button and I'll click it. If I want to scroll up and down, let me scroll up and down. Okay, so if you go to the uh, uh, Apple webpage and click on iPads and then iPad Pro, about halfway down on the iPad Pro page is a, a is the video uh, that demonstrates the use of that new camera. And it's a dad and looks like his daughter in a kitchen preparing a meal, and they're talking to, I don't know, someone in their family, I guess. And, uh, and, you know, it's him and then she joins and, and it gets wider and then she leaves and it follows him as he steps over to one side. And so, yeah, kind of, uh, and you can click on a replay button just to watch that part of it. So it follows him I around. Had, as he... Yeah. I'm going down. I don't see the video yet. I'm on yeah. You've got to scroll down. Through. It's an African-American dad wearing a green shirt. And it's, it's about, like I said, about halfway down the page. So you've got to scroll a while cause there's a bunch of those stupid animations before you get there oh, wait a minute oh further go learn it more at apple.com i wasn't on the right page maybe it's under Oops. apple ipad and then click on the ipad pro and start scrolling uh right what did i do i lost it okay now i'm Should see. There's the iPad. iPad Pro. Just the one for seven ninety nine, or does it make any difference? Which just one? start scrolling down. When you're on iPad Pro, don't click on anything. Just start scrolling down, and it's about halfway down. I'm on, I, I'm on iPad, not iPad Pro. That's what I'm trying to do is to get to the iPad Pro you're talking about. Okay, so you click on iPad, and then at the top, there's iPad Pro, iPad Air, iPad, iPad Mini, Compare, Apple Pencil, Keyboards. Click on iPad Pro. 
iPad Pro. Okay. okay. Now I've got a real dark dark picture. dark screen, and you see a a a uh, side view of an iPad. Start scrolling down, and it is literally okay. halfway down the page. You'll see a uh, I, picture of a dad. Uh, After they talk about 5G and cameras and all kinds of crap, uh, finally, about halfway down, you'll see the dad standing in a kitchen. Now it says explore iPad further. Do I have to push that? Because there's nothing beyond that much. Explore iPad further? No, just, I don't know what you're doing. Mind-blowing, I'm, I'm, I'm on 5G. My, I'm, on the, I'm on the iPad, first of all, is where I'm doing this. Are you on a computer? No, I'm on a Mac. I'm using a real computer. There's oh, the problem so with are, iPads. So well, that's the difference, see? With what because I'm looking at I had it on an iPad, it's not showing the further. If I if I say further, then it'll actually put me over in the browser at apple.com for this thing. Okay. I'm at apple.com to start with. Where were you? I was on the iPad version of it. I don't of know. Of apple.com? Yeah. Okay, I'm on Apple.com on an iPad. So let me scroll. Okay, so I'm clicking on iPad. Then I click on iPad Pro. Gosh, dang. I... Okay, so oh, now, no. now I'm looking. It no, says I... iPad Pro supercharged by the Apple M1 chip. And I start scrolling down. I'm getting the exact same page. And about halfway down... Uh, where are we? Apple Pencil. It's a wholly different experience when you get onto the browser for this thing than, than it was on just the iPad display. Whole different experience. Okay. And I'm on the iPad and I scroll down about halfway and there's the dad in the kitchen with his daughter. It's exactly the same page. And I'm doing it on the uh, iPad. I see, I, I see a dad in a kitchen with his daughter. Okay. I got it now. Okay. And right underneath that is replay. So you can replay the video and see when he moves to the stove, it pans over. And then the daughter comes in and it recenters on the two of them. And then he moves forward and it pans up to kind of keep them both in the screen. So it keeps them centered on the screen. So that the, the focus of the, the camera moves, even though the iPad is sitting still. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. It's, you're saying this iPad is just sitting in a stand. Yeah. And it's followed him a little bit. Now, he, okay. Yeah, and that's what they were I talking gotcha. about. Okay. That's what that new camera in the iPad does. It's a 12-megapixel camera. And in the iMac that they just written announced, they put a 1080p camera that doesn't do that. That's, Which, that's not good. No, in my mind, that's stupid. This is center stage. That's what they mean by it. That's yeah, center stage is, the, is, their, is their marketing term for that, yeah. So why doesn't the iPad or why doesn't the iMac have center stage built into it? There's no reason for it not to other than they decided not to put it in. There's nothing yep, technically I, keeping them from doing it. Yeah, just one more reason why not to buy that, uh, uh, that iMac. IMAC. Yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, the same iPad that? that has the same technology and the same chips has Face ID. Does They don't have it on the iMac. They're just by, by now... By the way, that article I was telling you about at the beginning of the show where the guy was saying, don't buy it because you can get bigger monitors and all this. Well, you don't even get a camera at all with those, I don't think. Right, and most They're of them you don't. Right? Most of them you don't. But quite frankly, there's better there's better cameras and there's cameras that do this this center stage effect. This isn't, I mean, it's new to Apple, but other people have been doing it. 
you could buy a, a Facebook portal that's been doing that for two years now. Yeah. But does it work with the Apple software? Question. No, it works with their software. Yeah, so you got to run another app or something, right? Probably. No, but there are um, uh, there are there are uh, cameras that do that. I think that that follow that are, uh, will work with like on an, on a Mac already or on a Windows machine that will do the following thing. That technology yeah. is like I said, that's not new. It's new to Apple, but it's not new. You know, and I'm sure different ones do it better or worse than others. But Logitech yeah. has had that software in some of their cameras for a while. Personally, I don't. I, I I don't care for it in my office. Like I don't need them. I don't. First of all, when I'm sitting in front of my computer, and maybe this is Apple's thinking: is how often do you move around in front of your computer? You're right in front of your computer. You're going to move around, yeah. and I don't want. Well, especially, well, especially it, with an iPad, that's that's movable. You can put it wherever you want it. You know exactly what you want to look. Exactly. You know. I and, and so the, what this would be like working against you, if you say, oh, I want to see what's over here at the side, and you start to turn it, well, no, it wants to watch you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Cameras Well, and, and sometimes sometimes you have stuff off stage that you don't want the person who you're talking to to see. So the last thing you want right. is the camera to follow you when you reach off out of camera range to get something. And, you know, and then it pans over and, and it shows what's going on, you know, I you, you I can see where you want that, but yeah. you might want to be able to turn it off. And I don't know if that's, well, I don't know enough about it to know yeah. if you can turn it on or off. I'm guessing you probably can. Yeah. But, uh, so. yeah, well, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like when, it's, it's like when we do, uh, uh, FaceTime or, you know, which I guess is the same as Skype, but you, uh, you got, you want the picture on your TV, but, but your camera control is is on the phone or something that you've got in front of you so that somebody can get a closer up view of you and you can aim it where you want it now i always thought it would be nice to to be able to sit it on a stand and let the person that is uh if you if it's family let let them control yeah. where your cameras in you know remote yeah. control yeah no that'd be nice if you and i are talking and i can i can you know, if I then, what you're saying is like then if I I saw you you sitting at home, I could then pan over and see mom sitting on the other side of the couch, or scan or or zoom back out so I could see both of you if I wanted to, you know. Right. Um, you know, and it's not like you at that end can't see what I'm doing because you see both pictures just like I do. So if you don't like it, you can take over control and not let me do that, right? But uh, yeah, you know, I think we're going to get to the point someday where everybody has a mobile thing a robot for lack of a better word right and so when i call in i can have a virtual presence there if you decide to let me have it and so i can then move around right i can look right left up down i can move around um i can go get something out of the fridge for you and bring it to you if i wanted to um yeah maybe it's maybe it's this little robot that wanders around the room and you just turn him over to somebody right yeah yeah and 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 when you're not when when you don't have somebody on the other end you can use siri to say Hey robot, you know, go get me a you know a diet coke out of the refrigerator, and it goes over and it can identify what a diet coke can looks like and grab it and bring it to you, you know, right? Or yeah. a Bud Light or a whatever, um, you know. I think that's coming. I mean, oh yeah. oh yeah, it's not coming this year, but quite frankly, that technology exists much more so than the uh, the uh, glasses that we're talking about. You know, those right. those yeah. require technology that 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 hasn't yet come to fruition whereas building that little robot thing that we're discussing 
you know, that stuff exists. They could make that today if somebody wanted to, you know, honestly, I think we're just waiting for somebody to do that. Just like the idea of the little, um, you know, assistant in the tube that, that Amazon, you know, completely dominates that, that market. And it was just because somebody said, Hey, we've got the technology to do this. Let's try it. Let's make a product and see if it gains any traction. And, you know, suddenly there's a whole new product category. You use the term assistant in the tube. I don't know what that means. So uh, on Apple, it's called Siri. On uh, Amazon, it's called Alexa. Oh, 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 I just oh, call it assistant okay. in a tube as a generic term for, you know, it's it's your little, yeah. you know, smart yeah. AI that's in, you know, that you can talk to. Um, uh, you know, and, and so, um, you know, that clearly exists out there. And it was one of those things where somebody said, well, you know, we've got this stuff. It's in phones. Let's try putting it in just a speaker and see what people think about it. And voila, a whole new product segment was created and Amazon's made a mint off selling these little things. You know? You know, and they sell theirs with, you know, very little profit, unlike Apple's. But, uh, you know, but, but they do it. So. Yep. Yeah, this is distinctly a different page than I, I was stuck on before when I was just on the iPad. Got to get over to the browser if you want the full treatment. Yeah, I don't understand what you're saying when I was on the iPad. I went to that exact same page on my iPad in my browser, just like I did on my Mac. I got the exact same page. It filled in the same way that it would on the, as it did on the, on the... It was the exact same experience. No, no, no. Lot, just telling was, you what I did. Was, Okay, it was an. It wasn't a browser that on my app on my end was not a browser when I was not finding it. It it was the uh, the Apple uh, Store app. Apple Apple Store app, yeah. Okay, well, I never said go to the Apple Store app. I said go to Apple dot com and scroll down halfway. Uh, That's exactly what I said. Was okay. scroll down halfway. Um, well, I, I didn't go to the App Store app. I went to the browser. Okay. That just happened to be what I had here. <laughs> so when you say Apple, I just pull, I have a little uh, collection of apps that pertain to Apple, okay? And one of them is not the browser. <laughs> the browser is a more general category, so it's not in that box. So I choose choose the one that could give me Apple stuff. And you say iPad, oh, yeah, that's the Apple store. There you go. Okay. Well, again, just listen to what I said, and then you would have gotten exactly where I suggested you go. Uh, I don't think you said Apple.com. I didn't hear I did, and I said scroll down halfway. Well, but you gotta got to talk about where you are. But I did. You didn't listen to me. Tough. We can... Hey, you know what? We're recording it. We can, ro- we can roll it back. Um, so... Yeah, I might have just anyway, said I, I might have just said go to the Apple Store. I, I'll admit that I don't know. Uh, anyway, but that, yes, the experience that, in that, the App that, Store that, is using the App Store app is very different than uh, yeah. than the experience with the browser. With the browser. And in fact, um, I find that I don't like the App Store app. I think it is poorly designed and it's difficult for me to find what I want and get around. I think their web page is much better. And so as a result, even on my iPad and my phone, if I want something from Apple or want to find something from Apple, I have a tendency to go to the web page. 
By the way, what happened to the lady whose job was to make that Apple store into a wonderful experience? She left Apple. Remember they hired? Oh, no wonder. She left Apple over left a year Apple. ago. Yeah, almost two years ago. Okay. Yeah, and I never heard about her for a long time, and I was just yeah. wondering. Yeah, she was prominent for a while and was at a couple of their announcements, and it was uh, Angela Ahrens, and uh, she was from yeah. Burberry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was. She, she came in with all this whoop de doo about her, and then, and then it didn't pan out. Yeah, she was there for a couple of years, and I think that, uh, yeah, she just she wasn't a right fit for them, you know, in the long run. So, yeah. Okay. I think we have well, her to Bob, thank. We have we have her to thank for the five hundred dollar uh, watch bands that they sell that are through the the fashion fashion people you know in the air tags they they have a 465 dollar leather thing to stick your air tag yeah, the, in yeah, and i'm like hermes. yeah the hermes she and i'm like hermes. really 465 dollars for a leather doohickey to stick my 29 dollar finder in you know you've got to have a lot more money than sense if that makes sense to anybody you know i don't care who you're trying to impress that's stupid <laughs> that's just stupid yeah. you know um well, that- you know the air tags were already available for purchase, so I, I ordered I ordered air tags, uh, and then I immediately went to uh, to Amazon, and found a company that sold like uh, like uh, uh, six little silicone things to stick them in, so you can put them on keychains and stuff, for like ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Said okay, uh, I'll make a keychain out of it. You know, I'm going to be traveling soon, so I thought, hey, you know, I will uh, put an air tag on my luggage. But I'm less likely to dangle it in any kind of holder anyway. I'm going to stick it inside the, the luggage because, you know, I don't want it out where people can see and go, hey, I'm going to take one of those. Not that they could use it because yeah. it'll be, you know, well, but they don't know what that. If, what if I wrap it in tinfoil? Yeah, probably won't work. <laughs> you know, but just because, yeah. you know, if, if you have something that looks new and interesting, like an air tag on the outside of your luggage. You know, well, the people who the people who are going to steal that aren't smart enough to know that it's not going to do them any good because it's already registered to me and they can't use it. They're just going to steal it. Those who are who want to do right. that, you know, aren't particularly bright, right? Necessarily. Well, that's why Apple shouldn't have put their damn logo on it. It just invites people. Yeah. Hey, that's an Apple thing. It must be worth money. I could probably take it and sell it, and right. it's worth nothing. Right. It's worth nothing other than it irritates me that somebody stole it. And I can then track and see where they are when they stole it and, you know, say, dude, yeah. give it back. But, you know, good luck. Yeah, so I'm going to use it, but I'm going to stick it in the luggage, not not, uh, not on on a tag outside. So we'll see. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to take some sandpaper and, and get rid of the Apple logo on the front of it. Yeah, well, you put I, it in I'm a not, little I'm holder. Not. You put it in a little holder and, and you may not see the Apple logo. You know, when you yeah. got them too, you they ask you if you want to engrave anything on there, and you can put like I think three or four word letters, but it's not enough letters to put like a phone number or anything like that, which is what you'd want to put on it, right? If found, call this number. No, but you can't put that yeah. on there. You can put like four letters and, and or any emojis, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want a smiley face on my thing. I put nothing on and it. Is, I just left them blank. Is that is, is that included in the price of the? It is. The device. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I just looked at that and went, I don't want anything on there. I don't want any smiley faces or, or uh, well, you know. Somebody said, uh, well, you know, if you're going to put one on your ABCD. bag, put, you know, title it bag. You're going to you put one, title it key for keys and bags. And It's like, but I don't need to have something on my keys telling me those are keys. I know what they are. 
You know, if, it, if it's attached to my bag, I don't need it to be labeled bag. I know that's a bag. You know? So that didn't make sense to me either. So, anyway. I left mine blank. I just figured, you know, yeah. I got a Sharpie if I want to put anything on them. You know, I'll just, <laughs> I will mark up my Apple product. I will draw my own little Apple on it, right? I got one of those little etching machines, you know, you can just draw on it, you know? Yeah, etch it into the plastic or the metal side of it. Yeah, yeah I, I have a, a little, uh, I've got the lot label maker, right? I've got the um, the little brother label maker and I can I can put my phone number and, you know, if found, please call and stick a phone number on it. Since apparently they're incapable of doing that, I'll do it myself. Um, we'll see how it goes. I've used the little tiles in the past and liked them and it helped me find my keys a few times. So uh, we'll see. See how that all works out. But anyway, as you said, I think we're sort of uh, through the conversations of the day it sh- it says that uh the the folks at um at mac rumors say that we're 20 minutes and 51 seconds away from apple releasing ios 14.5 we'll find out if they're true i guess and we can talk about it next week uh what, what are you betting yes or minutes, no huh? yeah yes or no do you think they're going to release it today or not uh, flip a coin yeah i think so yeah i was going to say probably you know why not I mean, there's nothing magical about doing it on a Tuesday versus today. Um, although several people said, you know, that the the uh, you can't order a lot of the other devices until the 30th, and so they may wait till the 30th. You know, all this is, of course, you know, rumor mongering, right? It's on Mac Rumors, so that makes sense. I guess it's designed to be rumors. So, yep. I I wish that I I wish they'd have gotten it out quicker, quite frankly, because one of the things that's coming in it, and I could care less about the ad tracking transparency one way or the other. I think it's a good idea, but it, that's not a big deal to me. I want the unlock your uh, phone with your watch because I use my phone as my yes. grocery list. Yeah. And, and I'm tired of typing in Absolutely. my PIN code in the grocery store with my mask on. I want it to unlock so I can look at my stupid list and scratch off the next thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. to me, that's the most that's... important thing coming with 14.5 is unlock with your watch. And and so. by a big margin, that's important to me. <laughs> yeah, apparently TVOS, the next one that comes out along with fourteen point five, I don't remember what the number is for TVOS. I don't think it's the same number. Um, is also going to be the one that if you have any of the uh, the newer series of uh, app supported versions of Apple TV, you'll be able to use your Apple uh, uh, iPhone to color calibrate your apple tv which i think that's a cool idea it's something that is like hey you've got the technology there to do it you know you've got a a camera facing back at the room to see what the ambient color is and the ambient temperature of color color temperature of the room is and you've got a camera facing forward towards the screen to say this is the color we're displaying what color is it supposed to be and so i thought you know that's a brilliant use of of your phone as a as a color calibration tool yep yeah i saw that on the presentations yeah so i'm looking forward to that uh i know there were some people who were incorrectly saying you have to get the new apple tv for that you don't that's actually a software feature and it and they and if you go back and look at it they said that that will work with the uh apple tv 4 the apple tv 4k and the new apple tv 4k which is the one that's going to be released so um so yeah by the way these these uh fancy colors they have on the uh 
iPad Pro uh, page uh, are just downloadable. You can download them for any of your devices, I guess. What fancy colors are you referring to? Oh, it's kind of a fan-like of colors and all these. You You're know, talking about the desktops, the background colors, the background images? Yeah, just a nice screen. Ah, okay. Uh, images. Yeah. You know? Usually they update that with each subsequent version of the operating system, so you can download whatever the backgrounds if you want to use um, the newer, you know, prettier backgrounds on whatever device you can when you just yeah, upgrade I, I, to the I OS. Saw it, I saw a button somewhere I could have pushed and got it, but I didn't. Yeah. I tend to use photos that I've taken myself as my backgrounds, and so yeah. uh, I don't tend to use their, you know, canned backgrounds or, or, or uh, startup screens because I like to look at my own stuff. So, Yeah, once I fix mine, I, I never mess with it again, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I change mine regularly, but like I said, I'm using photos that I've taken for different things. Like right now, my desktop behind me is a picture of the uh, Coastal Redwoods National Park up north of Eureka. Uh, and I was just walking in the woods and I took a picture sort of looking up towards some of the redwoods and this hillside that's covered in, in foliage and ferns. And it's just, it's, you know, looks like something that, uh, in fact, they, they, they shot, um, there was one of the star Wars movies, the original three star Wars movies in the third one, they were on uh, the, a moon called Endor and they were in this big forest. And this is where they shot that is in that. And so it's just, it's just completely covered with overgrowth and green and, and lush and these giant uh, um, coastal redwood trees going up hundreds of feet into the air. And, and uh, I don't know, I just found it all very pretty. So that's one of my backgrounds. By the way, last week we were talking about uh, apps that, that show art and stuff. And yeah. I dug out one of those and spent a whole day with it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just really enjoyed it. I told and you, you were trying to tell I, me, oh, no, it's got to be built in. And I'm saying there's some great apps that do that. You're talking about for the Apple well, TV? It, yeah, it just requires that I go, you know. Yeah, you have to spend long. a little bit of time setting it up so, if that's what you want. But, yeah, there's some cool stuff out there. Some beautiful images, too. Yeah. You know, well, a good. I have I have a particular, I, I, when Mom and I were traveling, our stops in just about every major town that, that had any kind of art museum was that was what we went you know and so i've mm-hmm. learned to appreciate a lot of different artists and i've, I've really got hung up on van gogh i mean mostly mm-hmm. i mean i'm just just love his stuff just yeah. can't get enough of it and uh i don't know why but anyway mm-hmm. I, I i like other stuff but because he was a crazy man and you can relate I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> no, he had some fantastic use of color. I mean, Van Gogh, uh, you know, it's amazing how you look at something and you might see that it's brown. But when Van Gogh painted it, it was brown. But if you look closely, it's brown, it's purple, it's orange, it's green. And then you step back and it all looks oh. sort of brown. But you get up close and you see all these vibrant colors that mix together to make yeah. that color. And your eyes do the blending for you. It's just his use of color is is unique and phenomenal. What a tragic thing that this guy, you know, didn't live to get any benefits of his talent. Yeah, know, I mean, he died a pauper. On, on this earth, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. his brother basically uh, oversaw his rise to fame. Yeah. And kind of mm-hmm. kept the, 
kept him in touch with his family in a way. Didn't his brother do some, was kind of a gopher guy, sort of guy and tried to, because Van Gogh was kind of out of his brain most of the time. He was off in another world. Well, I mean, not most of the time, but yeah, he, 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 his, he was, his lucidity came and went. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Loving Vincent? No, I bet that's good. Sounds it good. is what they did is it's a um I will send you a uh a um tr- uh a link to oh, let me stop this. Boom. Uh I'm going to send you a YouTube link. And you can watch the okay. short of it and then you can decide if you want to watch the whole thing. It is uh about a 90 minute movie if you watch the the whole thing. It is stunning. Yeah. The huh. entire film, every frame of the film, is an oil painting. And so they did a whole whole bunch of different people came together, and they took Van Gogh paintings and did slight, basically made it an animated film of Van Gogh paintings. Yeah. Now, it's, it's not the true Van Gogh because each frame was, was hand-painted as an oil painting. But can you imagine, uh. you know, 24 frames a second is typical for films. So for one second of film, they had to paint 24 different paintings. Wow. Yeah. This, it's phenomenal. Well let, well, let me tell you, when we first got here uh, at uh, one of the venues downtown, I forgot where it was, mm-hmm. Mom and I went down to a show. We spent about two and a half, three hours immersed in Van Gogh, and it was the pictures were on the ceiling, the floor, mm-hmm. everywhere. It was projectors. And every one of his paintings, there was something dynamic in it, like the crows flew out of the picture and across the room. Okay, I mean, sounds like that's well, part of what this is, because those are probably the same things, the same imagery. So you can watch it as a film, but it's available. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, it's back now. They've, they've been advertising on TV. I'm sure they sold out. I mean, with, with the ep- pandemic thing going on, people are going out. And that, you know, I bet you you probably have, have a tough time getting a ticket. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I think they've almost stopped advertising it just because they don't have any tickets left. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that's that's anyway. this, this loving Vincent is animation of his of his paintings, and so I think you'd find that very interesting. And then there's another movie called At Eternity's Gate, and it's a very good biopic about him, and it's very well done. Um, Willem Dafoe. Uh, is the actor who plays Vincent Van Gogh, and he looks like him in a lot of ways physically. He's got very hollowed out cheekbones and stuff, and so he he kind of looks like some of the um, imagery of Van Gogh yeah. at certain points in his life. So I sent you the links to uh, to watch the uh, trailers for both of those movies, and uh, yeah, I would recommend them both. They're outstanding. So okay, uh, yeah, I see. Okay, yeah. So terrific. Yeah, so uh, watch those, and, and we can talk about that and whether or not Apple released their stuff next week uh, or, or later today, I guess, is the, the, right? Yeah. That's the, the time. Now we're down to 10 minutes. Maybe we should just talk for another 10 minutes and find out if they released it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see if the light starts blinking. Update, yeah. update. <laughs> update, update. You know, you know, I've seen them, too, where they're like, they, you know, they said they're going to release it at 10 o'clock, and sometimes it's 10.20 or 10.30 when, before it actually goes live, so... Um, I think we should just call it a day. It's probably time for you to grab something to eat. And I'm ready to take a break myself. So why don't we uh, end the show today? Okay. And we can talk about the results of our uh, 
of our assumptions next week. So um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on Generation Tech. It's our pleasure to be here, and we hope that you enjoy the conversation as well. Uh, I'm Todd Brinker. And Jack Brinker, signing off for a week. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.